Hey everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's episode is out of Kansas. Small talk sucks, so let's dive in. In March of 2014, little Evan Brewer entered the world and the world was better for it. His mom, Miranda Miller, was a single mother, but come October of 2016, she met a man named Stephen Bodine and things moved at lightning speed. Before long, Miranda, Stephen, and Evan were living together in a little rental house on South Vine Street. Miranda had custody of Evan, but as the months and years passed by, he and his biological father, Carlo Brewer, started spending more and more time together and Carlo loved every minute of it. As far as being a toddler goes, little Evan was about as cute as they get. But in 2017, Carlo started noticing some changes. According to a document on Case Text, Carlo started noticing that Evan's speech and potty training were regressing every time he would come over. Co-parenting can be difficult not only for the parents but for the child, so Carlo did what he could to help. But more and more red flags started popping up. This two-year-old boy who, according to KSN, lived for Batman, Ninja Turtles, and Cupcakes, started choking other children. It begged the question, how did he even know what choking was, let alone how to do it? Carlos stepped back to look at the whole picture, and each red flag side by side made him concerned that Evan may be being abused at his mother's house. This isn't an easy conversation to have with anyone, but it's one that had to be had. So Carlo confronted Miranda about it, and it went about as well as you think it would. Never mind, it probably went worse. Miranda texted Carlo telling him that he couldn't see Evan until she and her boyfriend Stephen decided he could and told him to stop contacting her. If that wasn't a whole bottle of vindictive, she poured herself another glass when she told Carlo that she was going to be changing Evan's last name. If she was looking to confirm every concern Carlo had, she nailed it. The weekend of March 5th, 2017 was supposed to be Carlo and Evan's weekend. They were going to be celebrating his third birthday, but according to KSN, they never got the chance. Miranda wouldn't let Evan go. Carlo tried over and over to get Miranda to let him see his son, but every attempt failed. Nine days after Evan's birthday, court documents state that Carlo and a co-worker actually went over to Miranda's house together. He wanted to talk to her in person and wanted to lay eyes on his son to make sure that he was okay. But Evan wasn't okay. When Miranda answered the door, he caught a glimpse of Evan, who had a gash between his eyes that ran all the way down his nose. Miranda said he had fallen, but KAKE reports that when Carlo asked Evan what happened, Evan told him that daddy did it. Carlo was Evan's father, but it was clear that Evan wasn't talking about him. The only other person he could have been talking about was Miranda's boyfriend, Stephen. Carlo told KAKE that when Evan said that, Miranda looked at him and asked, what did you say? And Evan quickly changed his story to, I mean, I falled. The same narrative Miranda had given. Upset by what Evan said, with Carlo standing right there, Miranda made Evan stand with his nose against the front door. Carlo left the house that day and immediately called DCF. In the days following, the outlet reports that Carlo called the police to do a welfare check on Evan, but when they got there, the lights were on and no one would come to the door. 
the officer told Carlo that his hands were tied. While Miranda wasn't allowing Carlo to see Evan, let alone contact her, she absolutely wanted him to keep paying his $170 a month child support. So, later in March, the two had a court hearing about it. Carlo showed up with his cousin Shayla, who was actually an attorney, who said that Carlo has absolutely no problem paying child support, but suspected that it wasn't going towards Evan and was instead going towards drugs. Miranda couldn't argue that because she didn't even bother to show up. Because Carlo was concerned that Evan was being abused, they brought up the fact that he hadn't seen Evan since the day he contacted DCF. No one had. They wanted someone to take it seriously, and according to KAKE, told the courts, the state of Kansas cannot collect child support for a child that we don't know is alive, and that's what we're dealing with. I'd love to tell you that this resulted in anything that helped Evan, but it didn't. Throughout April of 2017, the reports to DCF kept rolling in, and Carlo would drive by Miranda's house to see if he could get a glimpse of his son, and one day he did. Court documents state that one day he saw Miranda and Evan out playing in the yard, so he pulled into the driveway. When he got out, he noticed that Evan was dirty and that he smelled horrible. Evan actually got into Carlo's car that day and said he wanted to go home with him, but of course, Miranda said no, though she did say that he could go to Carlo's house the next day. Evan and Carlo both had some hope that finally they'd be able to see one another and they could come up with some kind of plan. But Carlo texted Miranda about getting Evan the next day and, of course, got no response. Throughout May, KSN reports that a DCF worker went to Miranda's house three times but never made contact with her. The worker called, left messages, emailed, and even left a note on the door, but still nothing. While no one could seem to get in touch with Miranda, she wasn't hiding from the internet. She posted to Facebook, everyone is working to be seen, I'm trying to disappear. She also posted, so freaking ass glad to be leaving Wichita and Kansas for good. In the comments, she told a friend that she and Evan were going to see family that Evan hadn't met yet and then fly to Texas to go live in their new home. Not only was Miranda avoiding law enforcement, skipping court dates, and dodging DCF, She was admitting that she was trying to disappear while also telling the world that she was planning on leaving the state and moving to Texas. Carlo had done everything he could legally think of to protect his son, from bringing it up in court to having the police and DCF involved. But Miranda seemed untouchable, like none of the rules applied to her. And now she was going to be taking Evan to Texas? Carlo couldn't let that happen, so he filed a Protection from Abuse Order, or PFA, on Evan's behalf, which, according to KSN, technically gave him temporary custody until they could have their day in court. Police tried to serve the PFA on Miranda several times throughout May, including one week where they tried to serve it four different times, but like always, they couldn't make contact with her. Carlo finally had temporary custody of Evan, but no one could find him. Come July, there was still no sign of Miranda or Evan, and the police had tried to serve the papers on her so many times that they wound up just taping it to the door. While they were there, they asked the neighbors if they had seen either of them recently, and they said that they hadn't in at least a month. Later that month, the hearing for the PFA order was held and per usual, Miranda didn't bother to show up. Sole custody of now three-year-old Evan Brewer was granted to Carlo. 
Knowing that no one knew where Evan was, he was deemed a missing child. There didn't seem to be a single soul in Wichita that didn't know Evan was missing. One woman commented on a local news article saying that she actually heard about it from her waitress at lunch. Facebook was lighting up with flyers about Evan and his stepmom even went to Miranda's Facebook page and posted photos of the court order in the comments of her post, just in case she decided to show up on the internet again. July was a long month, but in August of 2017, police finally made contact with someone at Miranda's house. But as a shock to no one, it wasn't Miranda. Instead, it was her boyfriend, Stephen. According to KSN, he told officers that he was packing up Miranda's things because they were moving out of the state, but wouldn't tell the officers which state that was. Really poor planning since Miranda had posted three months ago that she was moving to Texas. And if she posted that three months ago, why was Steven packing her stuff now? I'd love to tell you that this encounter with police led to anyone being able to help Evan, but it didn't. At that point, the neighbors and police were on high alert, keeping an eye out for Miranda or Evan. Carlo or a member of his family was going to the house daily to ask to see Evan, and protests were even held outside of Miranda's house. KSN reports that they tried pinging her phone, but couldn't get a location. Miranda could say she moved to Texas or was moving out of the state all she wanted, but no one saw her leave. No one saw moving vans, and all signs pointed to Miranda and Evan still being in that house. On August 11th, for the umpteenth time, Carlo went to Miranda's house and knocked on the doors and windows to get anyone to answer. His wife posted to Facebook that Stephen yelled at Carlo from inside the house and told him that he was holding Evan hostage in the basement and that he would chop Carlo into little pieces. And I think he meant it because he came out of the house with a hatchet above his head, yelling at him to leave, but then prevented him from leaving in any timely manner because he used the hatchet to pop Carlo's tire. The entire thing was caught on video and warrants were issued for Stephen's arrest. The following day, in an act of pure criminal stupidity, Miranda returned to Facebook to post a Google Drive link to some security video from her home. She complained that the Wichita Police Department was blocking the cameras that would show trespassers. There was a protective order against her for her son due to allegations of abuse. There was a warrant for her boyfriend's arrest for running after her son's father with a hatchet after allegedly telling him he was keeping a three-year-old hostage in a basement. And she was putting her keyboard fingers to use to try and get people to feel sorry about her because there were people on her lawn. If you listen closely, you can hear the world's smallest violin. But wait a second. I thought she had moved to Texas. If she was in Texas, why did she care who was on the lawn in Wichita? Oh, that's right. She's a liar. As if one asinine Facebook post wasn't enough, she made another. This time, she shared a post made by Stephen, who went by Bo Diddley, war-torn scorpion. This is about to get lengthy, but I am here for it because he's an idiot and their neighbors and friends don't give a fuck. 
Stephen's post was a link to a profile of Evan on missingkids.org with the caption, Now it says he is with his mother, who all this boy's life has had custody of him and all he knows because his deadbeat dad had little to nothing to do with him. Never tried to file for visitation rights, nothing. Now that after three years of court battles, she finally wins child support, he files a protection from abuse on the child's behalf and gains custody from the mother. The PFA was never received by the mother who moved out of state prior to the filed PFA because of his strong-arm tactics, threats, and intimidation. So never received the PFA as required prior to becoming a final order. Instead, it was taped on her prior residence, the front door for every one of her peers to see, and allowed to be finalized. Now this missing child report is posted to further complicate and harass the mother. Just because a man is the son of Carl Brewer, future hopeful of the governor's seat in Kansas, he has a free legal counsel, free law enforcement protection, and allowances, free notary. Numerous reports have been made for trespasses and harassment, yet nothing has been done. This is the son of a man running for government here in Kansas, a man suspected of several corruptions but not convicted himself. How far does the apple fall from the tree? This isn't a missing person or child. This is abuse of the system allowed to a privileged son by corrupt officials hoping to gain favor. First of all, cool story, bro. We know you have beef with Carlo. The hatchet let us know. He called DCF before the child support hearing and your girlfriend didn't even bother to show up. The order was left on the door because y'all kept playing ring around the bullshit when it came to answering the door or when and where she moved, but we all know she's still in that house. Bottom line, your girl has a PFA order against her and 0% custody. No one is sad for either of you that your peers had to see a sheet of paper on your door. No one enters or leaves your house and that shit was all over town and the internet. Your door ornament is the least of your worries. It's not like anyone was under the impression that either of you were stand-up citizens in the first place. And since I'm feeling petty, I found previous charges of his dating all the way back to 1995 of domestic battery, a few of them, burglary, aggravated battery, disorderly conduct, and even correctional discipline for fighting while in jail. But let's keep picking this internet trash apart. Carlo was absolutely the son of the first African-American elected as mayor of Wichita and the man who was running for governor at the time, and even he couldn't get Evan out of that house. That's not a sign of abuse of the system, that's a sign of a broken system. And cry me a fucking river with your trespassing and harassment woes, you're literally wanted for coming at someone with a hatchet after telling them you were holding a three-year-old hostage in a basement. And if Evan isn't a missing child and he isn't with his mother, who the fuck is he with? His opening and closing arguments were literally the worst argument he could have made. Steven's Facebook post was obviously insane, but the comments on Miranda's Facebook when she shared it were golden, and she took the bait every time. Someone who lived near them commented that Miranda and Steven had stolen from their neighbors, had seen Miranda running out of the house from Steven saying he'd beaten her and Evan, and said that there were police reports about it. 
of everything presented in that comment, the only response Miranda had was, get your facts straight before you run your mouth. Oh, please do clarify. Old neighbor had no problem clarifying, saying that people have come and gone from their house ever since they moved in and that they had seen Miranda steal from the neighbor's car and that there was a warrant out for her arrest for theft. They said that the police were always there for fights and disturbances and told her to just bring Evan to the authorities so they know he's safe. Did Miranda even touch on the neighbor's request to produce Evan? Of course not. She got all hot and bothered and said, Fuck you, I never stole from the neighbor's car, and fuck you again. I'm so glad I fucking moved. Tell me you didn't move without telling me you didn't move. Just as the queen of dipshits was departing, Stephen decided to make a grand entrance and ask for someone to provide even one case number because he had all of his from his trespassing and harassment complaints. Someone commented back with, There's like 17 numbers, dude. Mind you, Stephen wouldn't have had a single trespassing complaint if they would just produce Evan. Towards the end of the comments, a friend of Miranda's refers to Stephen as the dumbass who hits on her. So another person offered to meet Miranda in person and get her some help. They asked how Evan was eating and offered to drop off a Happy Meal at the door and suggested that Miranda take a photo of Evan holding up the day's paper just to let everyone know he was okay. Very sweet offer, but Miranda politely declined. The last sentence was a lie. Miranda called her a see you next Tuesday, told her that she had lupus and stage one kidney disease and that Evan eats fine. She forgot to repeat yet again that she had moved, so she clicked her heels, added another comment to make sure everyone knows she was not in Kansas anymore, and to make it even more clear, she shared her own post from back in May when she announced that she was moving to Texas. The police knew that she and Stephen were renting, so they decided to contact the landlord to see what they knew. And lo and behold, while Miranda wasn't willing to let Evan's family, DCF, or the police know that Evan was okay, Miranda had sent a picture of him to her landlord to prove that he was healthy and not in danger. Initially, this made absolutely zero sense to me, but if their home was their only hideout, the answers to whatever was going on were going to be inside that house and losing it would unravel everything. Over the next few days, Miranda made a few more posts, including, no matter what anyone tells me, I'm still gonna do whatever the fuck I want, which didn't age well because by August 30th, 2017, 36-year-old Miranda Miller was found, in Wichita of course, and arrested for aggravated interference with child custody. Her boyfriend, 40-year-old Stephen Bodine, was also arrested. He was charged with aggravated assault and criminal damage to property for the hatchet incident and aggravated interference with child custody for his role in keeping Evan from Carlo. When Carlo got the news that they had finally been arrested, KSN reports that he left work and rushed over to their house, fully expecting to get little Evan and bring him home to safety. But Evan wasn't there. For two days, court documents state that police searched Miranda's rental home multiple times, but they couldn't find him. They started calling everyone they could think that might have him, and Miranda's own family gave the police a list. But as police visited every single person, All they learned was that no one had seen Evan in a really long time. 
Because of Miranda and Stephen's arrest, the two of them were evicted. Three days later, on September 2nd, when the landlord was cleaning up the house, he found something really strange. In the laundry room, he found what the media refers to as a concrete structure. But court documents state that that concrete structure looked like a little coffin. Wondering why this was in the house, let alone in the laundry room, he chipped a piece off, but when he did, got overwhelmed by a terrible smell. In that moment, he thought he might have found Evan and called the police. Neighbors say the street was blocked off and construction equipment was used to take the concrete structure out of the house and load it onto a tow truck that drove away with it. Once the concrete was in the hands of the police, they were able to carefully break it apart. Inside, court documents state that they found the remains of a child wrapped in bedding, towels, clothing, and duct tape. It was Evan. The medical examiner did the best he could, but even though he found possible signs of blunt force trauma to Evan's head, eye, and ear, his remains were so badly decomposed that they couldn't determine a definitive cause, manner, or time of death. Carlos' cousin and attorney Shayla told KAKE, I have said since March, when they had that child support hearing, that Evan was going to be murdered. It was clear that that was the course that was going to happen. Adding that the family tried multiple times to save Evan, but that the legal system failed them. We may never know just how badly they failed him, because according to the outlet, the courts wound up sealing the records pertaining to Evan's abuse, claiming they would reveal a confidential source. To make it even worse, the order stated that if Evan's death was proved to be from abuse or neglect, the records would be sealed permanently. A couple of weeks after Miranda and Stephen's arrest, both of them agreed to do an exclusive interview with KAKE's Deb Ferris from jail. Ferris asked Stephen if he knew that Evan's body was found in the house, and he said that he'd seen it on the news. When she asked what his thoughts were about it, he responded with mixed feelings. What the fuck kind of mixed is there to feel? When she asked what that even meant, he said that he didn't have an answer for that. Ferris asked Stephen if he killed Evan, and he said that he didn't. When asked if Miranda did, he said, not that I know of. It wasn't until she asked about the concrete that Evan was found in that Stephen abruptly ended the interview and walked away. So he didn't care if they asked if he or Miranda killed the three-year-old child found dead in their house, but he drew the line at questions about the concrete he was found in. When it came time for Miranda's interview, Ferris asked if she had any idea what happened to Evan, and Miranda said that she wasn't answering any questions about her son, as if she thought this interview was going to be about literally anything else. It took more than three months, but on December 4th of 2017, Miranda and Stephen were finally charged with the first-degree murder and abuse of three-year-old Evan Brewer. Four months passed before there was any news as to what a trial was going to look like, but in April of 2018, Miranda surprised everyone at Stephen's preliminary hearing when she agreed to take the stand and testify against him in return for a lesser sentence. She testified at both the prelim and the trial, and according to court documents, testified that Stephen was responsible for killing Evan, but that she also takes responsibility for his death. According to her, within weeks of dating, Stephen started physically abusing her regularly. She said that he was more violent and agitated when he was on drugs, which included methamphetamine. 
She said that she was actually pregnant with Stephen's baby at one point, which she had announced on Facebook, but that she miscarried in January or February of 2017. She said that she believes it's because Stephen dragged her through the house by her hair and punched her in the stomach. Remember Evan's birthday weekend that he was supposed to spend with his dad? Miranda said that she kept Evan from Carlo because Evan was being abused. She says that Stephen stopped allowing either of them to go anywhere and installed cameras out front to see anyone coming and going from the house. KAKE reports that Miranda admitted to occasionally beating Evan because it would be 10 times worse if Stephen stepped in. The station has a video of her testimony where she says, It got to the point where Evan would be completely naked in the bedroom, arms behind his back, and if he moved his leg or he would try to get weight off of one leg, he would get beat to the point that Stephen got Legos and would make Evan stand on Legos barefoot. But it was so much worse than that. Court documents state that Stephen didn't like how much Evan whined, you know, after his home turned into a place of violence and he began being abused too, Stephen didn't like how three-year-old Evan tried to adapt to the situation, and according to Miranda, told her that his behavior wasn't going to change unless a male figure was in complete control, essentially telling her to step aside while he took over. Miranda allowed it, gave Stephen permission to discipline Evan, and allowed him to make house rules. This three-year-old boy had to earn everything. And his punishments included being sent to his room and forced to stand with his arms behind his back for hours. Stephen installed cameras in Evan's room so he could see if he so much as shifted his body weight. If he did and he didn't apologize, court documents say that Stephen would kick Evan, punch him, throw him across the room, and slam his head into the wall. Evan was three. Because there were cameras in the house, police found thousands of videos, including one where KSN reports that Stephen demanded that Evan call him daddy. Which brings me back to Carlo asking what happened to his nose and Evan telling him that daddy did it. In another video, Miranda is seen violently spanking Evan for moving in bed and says that he appeared to have a dark, possibly leather belt around his neck. According to KAKE, Stephen put the belt around his neck like a collar because he needed to be treated like a dog. One day, when Evan refused to apologize, court documents state that Stephen took an unclothed Evan down to the basement and made Miranda put a belt around his neck, which was chained to a weight on the floor. She said that she put it around his neck loosely because Stephen would have done it tighter, as if that's some kind of consolation. Evan was made to stand in the basement without moving, and to make sure he didn't, Stephen put a camera down there so he could watch. It looks like Miranda went and got him at some point because she said that when Stephen woke up the next morning and saw Evan fully dressed, sitting in front of the TV eating breakfast, he went into a rage and beat the crap out of Evan, leaving him bruised from head to toe. I want to take a point and put this level of abuse into perspective here. This three-year-old boy had just been chained naked in a basement while his abuser watched from a camera. 
He had become so accustomed to constant torture that he could sit in front of the TV and eat breakfast just hours later. According to court documents, Miranda said that the two to three days prior to Evan's death, he was really sick and couldn't keep anything down. After not being able to sleep one night, Stephen forced him to stand by the door with his arms behind his back. He stood there for hours before his little body collapsed. When he did, Stephen yelled at him to stand back up, went over to him, picked him up, and slammed Evan's head into the wall. Miranda said that for the second time, Evan collapsed, but this time, his eyes were closed and he was screaming. She said that she picked him up and took him to the bathroom and shouted to Stephen that something was wrong. He came into the bathroom and, according to her, shoved her out and closed the door. KAKE reports that all she could hear were the words, wake up, look at me, wake up. Two to five minutes later, Stephen came out. When he did, Miranda said that Evan's head was wet and he wasn't breathing. He was lifeless. She says that she did CPR on him for 45 minutes, but it never worked. Evan was dead. She testified that Stephen told her not to call for help, so she fell asleep with Evan in her arms that night, but when she woke up, his body was gone. According to her, Stephen told her that he'd called some friends to take care of Evan because they weren't able to anymore, which makes no sense. She said that she believed her son's body was in the basement, but she never saw it again. Evan died on May 19th, 2017, the day after his father filed the protection from abuse order and was granted temporary custody. The same month, the DCF worker went to that house three times, called, left messages, emailed, and left a note on the door. All those times the police came to her house looking for her, she was hiding under the basement stairs. While investigating Evan's death, police found a receipt. It was for May 26th, one week after Evan was killed, and was for concrete, threaded rod, which is basically a metal rod, and a towel. Court documents state that it was Miranda who bought the supplies, but she says that she didn't help Stephen build it. In October of 2018, the jury deliberated and found Stephen Bodine guilty on all counts. But according to KSN, his attorney tried to get a whole new trial because witnesses openly wept in court, as if there's any way to have this trial at all without pure devastation. It didn't work, and his conviction stuck. Stephen's sentencing hearing was on December of 2018, and at it, KSN showed an open letter to the judge that read, Judge, I am requesting that you allow Stephen Bodine the pleasure of residing in any maximum security prison that you see fit for the remainder of his life with no possibility of parole. He needs to be in hell or the closest to it. Stephen Bodine was given 109 years in prison. After his conviction, Miranda was able to accept her plea deal, which was for second-degree murder, aggravated kidnapping, and aggravated child endangerment, and she was given 25 years. Evan Brewer had a family that loved him. He had a family who recognized when something was wrong and did everything within their legal power to save him. They filed reports, called the police, told the courts, held protests in front of the house, and knocked on the door every single day. They followed the rules, they trusted the system, and in the end, Evan died from the abuse that they were trying to protect him from. Evan's dad told KAKE, 
other children imagine monsters under their beds and in their closets, Evan had real monsters. But that's not how they want him remembered. His aunt told KSN, Remember Evan. Evan Connor Brewer. Not Miranda or Bo, Stephen Bodine. They do not matter. His family has started Evan's Safe Haven Foundation to help parents navigate a legal system which they say is designed to profit from, not protect children. The organization is designed to help make credentialed licensed experts like legal representation, psychologists, and forensic pathologists more affordable to families in crisis. Evan's stepmom says that Evan's legacy will be as a superhero who defeats evil and restores good. For all photos pertaining to this case, check out Evan's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley, and join me there tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern where you go live with me and we talk about today's episode and all other true crime cases on your mind. If you like your podcast ad-free, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, where for just one whole dollar a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. If you need more episodes in your life, for just $5 a month, you get a bonus episode on the first Monday of every month, all your episodes are ad-free, and you'll also receive a forever discount code for all Big Mad True Crime apparel, and of course, anytime you sign up, you get instant access to all previous bonus episodes. I'll be bringing you a brand new case a week from today, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out.